Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was, great, she was greatly troubled at saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel spirited her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child be to be born will be called holy and the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you. Thank you, Olivia. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn to that passage this morning because we're going to be looking at it. It's Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And uh, on behalf of the staff here, let me say Merry Christmas. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Merry Christmas. I can't believe it's already that time of year. Of course, it doesn't feel like it when it's 80 degrees outside, but I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. I'm glad that you are here this morning, and again, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1 here in just a minute, but if, you, if you're already there and you want to flip over to Luke chapter 2 for just a minute, I want to read a few verses in Luke chapter 2, because just to prove a point that I'll make a little bit later in the message, Luke chapter 2 verse 9, in the same region, or 8, there were, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. All right, you can flip back to Luke chapter 1. Say, Pastor Jack, what in the world has this got to do with Luke 1? I'm going to show you in just a second. The book of Luke is a great uh, book of the Bible written by... Luke, very good. You thought that was a trick question. 
Who was buried in Grant's tomb? Yeah, what are the colors of the blossom of the white dogwood tree? These are easy questions. These are questions I wish I'd been asked in college, but they ask more difficult questions. Yeah, it's written by Luke, and Luke was a, a physician. The Gospel of Luke, by the way, is the largest book in the New Testament. And Luke was not one of the apostles, but he was a traveling companion for Paul. And you'll know because of our study through Mark that Mark was just the facts. Just, he oftentimes in the book of Mark said immediately, he was just a facts guy. But Luke was a doctor. Luke was all about the details. And I love that because we find out a lot of things. As a matter of fact, we find out a lot of things from Luke's gospel that we would not know about the life of Jesus if Luke did not tell us. Matter of fact, 50% of Luke's gospel is unique, and it contains information about Jesus that's found nowhere else in the Bible. So a lot of times when we think about Christmas, we go to the story, and then we go to the gospel of Luke, and we find out great information. Luke mentions uh, also 13 women in the gospel of Luke. You won't find anywhere else in the Bible, but he mentions them because he's a guy about details. And 29 events in the life of Christ are recorded in Luke that you won't find in any other gospel. So because of his training as a doctor, he was a very detailed guy. And isn't it interesting that we find out about the birth of Jesus, how Jesus is going to come into the world from a doctor, from a physician's account of this story. And so I want us to look at it again. Olivia did a, a great job reading that, but let's just read it again. And uh, I'll make some observations for us in just a minute. Verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph for the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. You will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she was called barren. But now she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I had the great fortune, like many of you in this place, to grow up. Uh, with a mom and dad who loved Jesus, and I grew up at church, and I was at church uh, every time the doors were open, and especially during the Christmas season, sometimes in the weeks of December, we were at church two, three, four times a week. Because of that, it was good, it was good by the way, but because of that, sometimes I have in my mind traditional things that I've learned about the birth of Jesus that maybe are not biblical things. And I hope that for me this Christmas season, and my prayer is for you too, that during the course of these weeks, not just from the pastor preaching, uh, myself or Heath preaching or, or small groups, but I hope that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will reveal something to you this Christmas season unique about Him. Because our culture has kind of pushed us 
in the church and outside the church into a mindset of what we think about Christmas. And we think we know everything about Christmas. Oh, it's a Christmas story. It's baby Jesus and he cute. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that reaction can cause us to miss some very important things that Jesus may want to teach us. So my prayer for me this holiday season, this Christmas season, is that God would teach me something new about him. And I've been praying that already and he taught me something new this week and I want to share it with you in just a little while as we look at this passage of scripture. There are several things that we learn uh, about Mary's window to the world from her perspective and I want to share with you this morning a few of those. And the first one is this. The first one is this. God's timing is always perfect. Always. Not sometime, but always. I'm grateful that Luke, in his detailed account of this, uh, tells us that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel came. Now, you may say, why is that important? Well, if you go backwards and you read the earlier part of Luke, you'll know why. Because in God's great timetable, there had to be a predecessor to Jesus that had to be born and had to come on the earth. And his name was John the Baptist. And so Jesus could not be born or come onto the earth until John the Baptist was born. So when Luke records for us and he tells us in the sixth month the angel Gabriel comes, it's an important timetable that he's reminding us, if you go back and read those earlier verses, of Zacharias and Elizabeth when an angel came to them. By the way, you need to read it because it was a much different reaction. When the angel appeared to them and said, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And they're like, Zacharias is like, no, no, we, we're not having no baby in this house. Because I am way too old and I'm not just old. She's way, we're way too old to have a baby. But surprise, surprise, God's timing was perfect. I think about what's going on in our world, in our country. I thought about this week what God is doing in our church. And I've said this often, and I'll continue to say it because I believe it, that what God is doing in our church is all about His perfect timing. doesn't take Him by surprise. It was planned before the foundation of the world. I don't have anything to do with it. You don't have anything to do with it. It's God and His perfect timing. And God has a perfect timetable. I don't know about you, but over the last couple of years, sometimes... I'm transparent and honest, as you know, I've questioned that timetable. Lord, what in the world are you doing? How long is this going to last? What's going on? All these questions, and it's all right to ask questions. We're going to see that Mary asked for some clarification in just a little while. But God's timing is always perfect. The second thing I, I learned from this story is in that same verse, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent... From God. Second thing that I'm learning about God uh, and learning through Mary's window that we look at this morning is God is always sending. God is always sending, He is always on mission. And this week, as I looked at this story, I asked myself the question, I wrote it down so I can ask you this morning is to whom is God sending you? See, oftentimes when we think about the Christmas story and we think about the Christmas season, we take the role of a lot of the people in the Christmas story as we watch and we're spectators. And we watch the little baby Jesus come. And we watch like the, the uh, wise men. And we watch like the shepherds out in the field. And we watch, we spectate. There's nothing wrong with that sometimes, but God is a sending God. My prayer, as we think about what God is doing in our church, 
is that God is sending us. And by the way, He has sent us. If you're a child of God, we all are sent, not just the professional missionaries. You are a missionary. You and I are a missionary. God had on His perfect timetable a perfect agenda as well. And His agenda was He was sending Gabriel to go speak to this little girl that most scholars say was probably 14, maybe 15 years of age. Can you imagine? I tried to think of some analogy that would fit for the culture that we find ourselves in today, but can you imagine a 14, 15-year-old young lady finding out she's pregnant, the cultural innuendos that would happen. Sometimes we don't put all of our emotions and all of our Uh, our eyesight and what we hear and what we see and put it into the biblical story, the biblical narrative of what's happening. We read this and we hear about the fact that she was in Nazareth. By the way, chronologically, this is the first time that Nazareth is mentioned in in the, uh, in the Old or New Testament. Nazareth is probably important and remarkable because it wasn't really important or remarkable. There was nothing special about this town. And it was a town, by the way, of about 400 people. Three times maybe the size of who's in this room. Can you imagine? So Mary would have been known, most probably. These are the people that would see her at the market walking and see her out doing things. And they probably knew her. Oh my goodness. I mean, when word gets out about what's happened and what's going to happen at the end of the story, we're going to look at this morning. It's kind of... Interesting. This town, by the way, 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee. It was, it was the closest major road was about six miles away. So this is a little town. It's kind of like maybe how Crossroads was right here many, 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 many years ago. And so here we have this young lady, and this is the area that God says, I'm going to send an angel to that unknown, unimportant little place. I thought about it this week. I thought about some of you maybe feel like your assignment where God has you right now at work or at school or wherever is like this unknown place. Why would God care about this place? Why would God? God has sent you. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, I happen to believe in that, that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and in charge. You're not where you are by mistake. God has sent you there. So are you fulfilling the role for which you've been sent? Are you just kind of passing time? Because God is always sending. Another thing I see here is God is always interested in the details. Luke tells us that because that's kind of his personality being a physician. In the sixth month to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin. All these details, God is interested in the details. I like some of these details, by the way. Because you you may or may not be aware of this, but back in this day, when a Jewish couple was to get married, it was a big deal. And it was a long process. And there were several stages to someone becoming husband and wife. There were three stages. The first one was an engagement stage, typically. And it was this formal agreement made by the fathers. I like that. Can we bring that part back? I like that a lot. So these two fathers sit down and they write out this agreement how it's going to be. I could go for that part of it right there. And after this engagement, this agreement that was kind of figured out between the dads, then they had the ceremony where the promises were made that, hey, we're going to be husband and wife. They called that the betrothal, which I think in this text it also says that. 
She was a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, from the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, verse 27. So all these details we find in the betrothal was a ceremony where they came together, and that's kind of, as the church, by the way, we're kind of in that stage right now. We have been betrothed as children of God. We've been pledged as children of God to the bride of Christ. And one day he will return for us and we will have the marriage feast where we will sit down with Jesus Christ himself as the church, his bride, and we will be symbolically married. Right now we're kind of in the in-between stage. And that's exactly what happened in Jewish culture. And the marriage, by the way, where everything was consummated and the bride and groom came together happened about one year after the engagement and betrothal. And that's when the bridegroom would come to the bride's house after getting the house built and all the preparation done. And if you study Jewish culture, and I wish I knew more of it, would at that point come to the dad and go, okay, based on the agreement that the fathers have done, I've done all this stuff, I've got the house ready, do I, am I going to pass the final test for this young lady to be my wife? Well, Mary, obviously, things have kind of been interrupted here with this appearance from the angel. And the angel comes to her and we see in verse 28, says some interesting things. In verse 28, the angel says, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, She was greatly troubled at this statement. Now you may, like me, as I've read this over the years, and I decided the last several months to do a little more research on this, go, why would she say that? Why would she have that kind of reaction? Our, our English vocabulary and vernacular does not do great at transcribing the original Greek story here. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things that you may or may not know that I discovered over the last few weeks. Because when you read the story, most of us read it just like we know the story that I read for you a minute ago of the shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord appeared before them and shone round about them and they were so afraid, they were terrified, they were scared. We think... That's the way the angel appeared to Mary. Show me that in the Bible. It's not necessarily what happened. I, I don't know what happened, by the way. I wasn't there. But that may not be what happened. You say, well, why do you think that? I think that because of her reaction. Mary had an unusual statement there that she says. And again, our English doesn't do a great translation on it because... Even from the Greek, her response, at least in my New American Standard, it's, it's kind of accurate. It says, she was greatly troubled at the statement for this man to say, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, we know from reading it on this side of history, we know it was an angel. But the question is, and the question a lot of people I've studied over the last few weeks reading this and digging into the original languages, did she know initially it was an angel? We know the shepherds did because the Bible tells us that the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid. But more than likely, maybe she did not know this was an angel. And there's many places, other places in Scripture, I wish we had time this morning in our short time together to look at them. We're reminded in Hebrews 13, chapter 2, that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. We may not even know that was an angel. 
So I don't know if she knew initially this was an angel. More than likely, as I've studied it over the last few weeks, the reaction that she had was probably because she did not yet know this was an angel of the Lord. Because he approached her probably as a man. You say, why would you say that? I'll tell you in just a second. So just follow with me. Let's just assume that that was the case. He comes to her just as a man. Well, in that culture, what happened between men and women? Out in public, men did not speak to women. They only spoke to women if perhaps they thought women were, how can we say, provocative. Loose, we might say, in our modern day culture. And so this man approaches her and says to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was greatly troubled at this statement. I I guess so. She's probably thinking, why are you, just like the woman at the well, a man speaking to me, a woman? What What is going on here? I'm kind of troubled about this. I'm confused. I'm thinking, what is up? Why are you doing this? And so he says to her, the Lord is with you. And he goes on to say in verse 30, Don't be afraid. That really would be better translated. Don't be troubled, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And when he begins to tell her what's happening here, she still is not totally convinced. Now, we know from this passage of Scripture that Mary was alone, but we don't know where this conversation took place. Unlike if you back up earlier in this chapter with Zachariah and Elizabeth, we know they were in the temple. We know there were other people around. The only thing that we know here is that she was alone. And we know enough about Nazareth to know, and we know enough about homes at that time to know, that if she was alone, she probably was not at home. Because there would have been somebody else there, and there wouldn't have been any privacy. She may not have even been out in the courtyard, because there would have been other people around. So I just think, this is my opinion, that she may have been out in the countryside. Maybe she had gone to get water. Maybe she had gone to get wood for a fire. Maybe she had gone to get berries. I don't know. But this man appears to her and she is greatly troubled because this man has walked up to her. And then he goes on to tell her certain things. Mainly, guess what? You're going to be the mom of the Messiah of the world. Now, I'm not a lady. But I can't imagine what her reaction would have been. Because again, if you study the scripture and the text, and she's out and alone, and this conversation is happening, her reaction probably is she is thinking, you're understanding now why she's troubled, why she's concerned, because she's asking this question in verse 34, after he tells her all these things about what's going to happen to her, she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? That's not a good translation from the Greek of what she actually says. That's how we read it in our English. But that's probably not a good translation. She doesn't even really use the word virgin in that verse. She uses it previously, and Luke tells us that she was previously. But her word there is actually not virgin. It's a Greek word. And I won't even try to pronounce it. If you want to know, come see me after the service. I'll give it to you. But the word that's really there that I can pronounce is gnosko, which means to know, which means to have intimacy with or sexual relations with. So what she's saying to him is, you're telling me, number one, you're freaking me out because a man should not be talking to a woman. Number two, now you're telling me that I'm going to have the birth, the Messiah of the world, 
I, no way, I'm not having any relations with you. Is probably what's going on here in the conversation. You're approaching me. Are you, are you trying? What signals have I given off to you that make you think, number one, you can come talk to me? And now you're talking to me, telling me, oh, yeah, you're going to have the, you know, you're going to birth the Messiah. Are, are you telling me that you're going to be the daddy? And I, no, no, I don't do that. That's probably what was going on here. And so here this young girl is who is greatly disturbed. And the angel answers her after he says that. And maybe, I don't know what happened at that point. I wasn't there. I don't know if the glow started at that point. Or the Holy Spirit is speaking. Because the Holy Spirit, by the way, was there. As part of our belief as believers. And you understand the Trinity has been around from the beginning. The Trinity just didn't happen. God is the Trinity. He is the triune God. The Holy Spirit is here and Jesus is getting ready to be born because God the Father is going to make it happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask me to explain that. I can't. It's amazing. And so here Mary is. And so after he tells her this in verses 31 through 33, Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin, I'm not going to have relations with you. I'm not going to do, I don't do that. I'm not that kind of girl. The angel answers and says, this is how it will happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Wow. You know what that reminds me and tells me as I read this passage of Scripture? The fourth thing I'd say to you this morning, God always desires to work through us and in us. And he does that, as we were reminded through our book, study in the book of Ephesians, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is amazing to me. My, my uh, new thing that I took away already from this Christmas season is the same Holy Spirit that conceived Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through Mary, that became the Savior and the Redeemer of the world. That same Holy Spirit lives in you and lives in me. What an incredible gift of Christmas. The power of the Holy Spirit who desires to work through us and in us. And even, he says, the angel turned, verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age because she even said she'll be able to to conceive and is she's now in her sixth month maybe at that point is when the light bulb went off and mary thought now how in the world how can you know how do you know that who is this guy he's not just a man wait a minute this has got to be true this has got to be coming from god almighty amazing and mary's response is even more amazing to me what she says in response she says, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I, I believe that Luke's story for us, and I encourage you to go back and read the earlier part of chapter 1. And these angelic announcements that happen to Zacharias and to Mary really show us a contrast. If you go back, and this would be good... Good fodder, good discussion for you maybe in your small group Sunday school if you have time this morning. But Zacharias was a man that the angel appeared to. Mary obviously is a woman. 
Zacharias and his wife were elderly and old, and Mary was young. Zacharias and Elizabeth were married, and Mary was a virgin, just to be engaged to be married. And Zacharias doubted the angel's message, but here Mary is believing. And she had a request of the angel, but her request was not so much for a sign, but for clarification. I haven't had relations with anybody. How is this going to happen? Give me some clarification here. How is... How is God going to do this? And he gives her the answer through the power of the Holy Spirit. And she learned that her conception would be a, a miracle because she was a virgin. There's a big difference between her requests for clarification. If you go back again and look at Zacharias and his doubt or his lack of faith. So what does that tell me about Mary? It tells me this. The only response to God's will is always yes. It's always yes. She didn't know all the answers. She asked for clarification and she got one answer. She got a little bit of clarification. But there's a lot of questions if I was Mary that I would have asked at that point. So God, what am I going to do, Mr. Angel? What am I going to do about what people say about me? Because Joseph and I have not... uh, We haven't done that. What are people going to say when I start showing that I'm... And people start talking. And what are the religious people? Because those are the ones, as we all know, even our own culture, who do the most... What am I going to do when they start talking and start... Well, who, who, forgive me for being vulgar, and I'm not trying to be vulgar for sake of being vulgar, but this is what they would say in their culture, just like in our culture. Who knocked you up? Do you, do you and I put ourselves in Bible times and get in the story and understand what this young girl was going to face? And yet she says her answer is, be it unto me as you say? What kind, of, what kind of faith, what kind of courage could that have taken? Because I have pages and pages of questions I wrote down that if I was her, I would have been asking, how is this going to happen? Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to help me raise them? I've never been a mom before. I'm 15, 16 years old. What's, who are we gonna, how are we going to financially do this? We're, I would have had a lot of questions. Now, I've had two. Well, I haven't had two kids. My wife has had two kids. And I'll just tell you, as a dad, there was a lot of questions when we found out we were pregnant with number one. I can't imagine. And yet her response is, I'm a bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. I wrote down this question for me today. Jack, what is God calling you to do that you are reluctant to say yes to? Because I believe for all of us in here, God is calling us to do something because God is always wanting to work through people because God is always on mission. Is there something that you're hesitant to say yes to Jesus about? Maybe because you don't know all the answers to to the questions yet? My dear friend, I'll just be honest with you. If you and I are waiting on all the answers to the questions before we say yes, you're never going to get all the answers. That's my big takeaway from that story this week. Because here's a young girl, a young teenage girl. We could have a whole message just about that, about her age. Because even in our culture, 
Isn't it interesting? Nothing wrong with it. It's just, it is what it is. It's kind of what happens to us. But the older that we get, the more reluctant we are to say yes to Jesus. Which is why I'm so thankful our church puts a huge emphasis, and rightly so, on our younger folks and our children. Because the older that I get, the harder it is for me to say yes to some of the things that Jesus wants me to do. And that just comes with getting old. And we see that actually played out in this story in Luke chapter 1 because Zacharias was like, <laughs> you're crazy, that's not happening to our family. Not a chance, I'm way done. I can't imagine being my age and having a toddler in the house. No way, angel, you, you picked the wrong house. You meant to go to 356 Nazareth Drive and you showed up at 354. Now, it's a neighbor's house. You came to the wrong spot. But God is calling us today to step out and say yes. So my question to you is, what is he asking you to say yes to? Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you as we look at Mary. We look at her life and we see how she so willingly, after clarification, yes, but willingly said, may it be unto me as you have said. Lord, I believe for each of us, because I know it's true in my own heart, for each of us in this place today, there may be something that you're calling us to do. Something to which we may not have all the answers. And you're not even willing to give us more answers until we say yes to the instruction. What a, what a joy, God. What a privilege to serve in a place and among a group of people. But already this year, many, many, many times over have said, yes, Lord, whatever you say, yes, Lord, not knowing the answers to the questions. Thank you for that kind of faith in this place. Thank you. As you're there in your seat this morning, maybe there's something in your life where God's saying, I want to send you, I want to use you. Because I'm always on mission, my timing is perfect. And all you need to do is say yes. If that's you this morning, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I'll ask you just to slip out of your seat and love to pray with you and encourage you. Maybe the yes that you need to give this morning is, yes, Lord, I want to, I want to put my roots down and be a part of Crossroads, the Crossroads family. If that's the case, then I'll be here. I'm going to ask Heath to come stand with me in just a minute. We'll be here to pray with you or encourage you. And uh, as God leads you, would you respond to his leading this morning? Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Joey's going to lead us in an invitation hymn. Will you stand with me this morning? And you respond as the Lord leads you today. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. 
Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hopeatcrossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.